Well, greetings, Soma Midtown. I'm Pastor Bobby from Soma Northwest, and I'm really glad to have this opportunity to be with you this morning. It's been a minute since I have preached, and so this past week was good for me to knock the rust off of my preparation, and I'm excited to have this opportunity to share some things with you this morning. And I don't know how many of you have visited Soma Northwest, but normally when I preach, there's a lot going on. Uh, I have multiple kids that are running up and down the aisles, babies screaming, parents that are giving me the eye of, when are you going to be done? This is going really long. And so I am going to pretend that all of that is happening as I'm looking into this camera right now to make myself feel a little bit more at home, a little bit more comfortable. But I don't know about you, but the dive that we have been doing into the person and work of the Holy Spirit over this last month has been deeply, deeply encouraging for me personally, uh, especially as we have connected it to spiritual formation. And just by way of review, spiritual formation is God's shaping of his people, God's transforming of us, his people, aligning all of who we are, all of what makes us us, our thoughts, our feelings, our choices, our bodies, our relationships, aligning all of those things with his good intentions for us and his purposes in the world. And so as we think about spiritual formation, it's important for us to realize that we are not innocent bystanders in this process, that God has invited us to participate in our own transformation. And how does that happen? What well, happens the same way in which Jesus lived his life, the same way Jesus did the Messiah-like things that he came to do through the power and presence of the Spirit. So it's not just about, our spiritual formation is not just about our hard work and our faithfulness, though that's important, and it's not just our passive reception of the Spirit's power it's like Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 15, you and me, I in you. This is how you will experience the life God has created you to live, life with God under the rule of God. And so that's why during this series, we have referred to the Holy Spirit as God's empowering presence. God's empowering presence. God is with us and God's power is alive in us. And one of the most significant ways, one of the most visible ways that we see God's presence and power in us is through what we call spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. The gifts of the Spirit are God himself working in and through his people so that we can experience his love. Let me say that again. Spiritual gifts are God himself working in and through his people so that we can experience his love. And the text that I want to root us in as we dig into spiritual gifts is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start at the beginning, and I'm going to read out of the New International Version. Listen to these words from the Apostle Paul. Now the gifts of the Spirit... Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, 
Somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gift, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes it to each one just as he determines. So what are the spiritual gifts? Well, Paul gives us a very short, concise definition in verse 7. They are manifestations of the Spirit, meaning that they are visible, vocal displays of God's power in human form. Visible, vocal displays of God's power in human form. Form. Now, I don't know if this is as prevalent in the church today as it was back when I was growing up, but during that time, the church tended to interpret spiritual gifts through the lens of human personality, human skill sets, and human interests. We used to take these things called spiritual gift assessment tests, did these sheets and sheets and sheets of paper that had questions about what we like to do and how we'd react to certain situations. And we would use those to discern our spiritual gifts. But I want you to hear this. Spiritual gifts aren't your personality type. Spiritual gifts aren't your Enneagram number. Your spiritual gift is God at work in you so that others can see him. Your spiritual gift is God at work in you so that others can see him. And that's what Paul writes here. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. God at work. God wants us to see his fullness. Think about looking at a diamond. And as you rotate that diamond, you see the fullness of that diamond and all of its different sides. God is like that. God, the fullness of God cannot be captured in one particular thing. God is multifaceted. He is huge. And God wants us to see his fullness in different ways. And that is why when you turn to different passages in the New Testament, you will see different gifts listed there. Here in 1 Corinthians 12, we see gifts of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in different kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. Now, if you turn back a few pages to Romans 12, you will see in addition to these gifts, gifts of service, teaching, encouragement, generosity, leadership, and mercy. 
And then you flip forward a few pages to Ephesians chapter 4, and you will see in addition to these gifts, the apostolic gifting, gifts of evangelism, pastoring. The point here is that God wants his people to experience his love for us, and he has empowered each of us to express his love in different ways. Paul wrote that the Spirit distributes the gifts to each one just as he determines. They are gifts, and God has given you exactly what he wants you to have. He has given the gift that he wants you to have so that you can express his love in a very particular way. So how, do, how can you know what gift or gifts God has given you so that this church can know and experience more of God's love? Well, start with prayer. Start by being attuned and aware of what the Spirit is doing in your life. Be attentive to His presence in you. And ask Him for the eyes to see where you can love this church in very specific ways. And then show up and be present in the lives of people at SOMA. Meet their needs, encourage them, volunteer and serve on Sundays. Sometimes others will tell you, man, when you did this, or when you did that, I felt really, really loved. When you said this, it helped me understand more of God, and it helped me grow closer to Him because of what you did, what you said. Listen, don't, exp don't obsess over, well, this is my gift, and I need to stay in this lane, and I don't have time to do anything else, and I can't do anything else. This is my gift. No, we show love to each other in lots of different ways. And as we are doing that, certain ways will become more natural and more frequent than others. When God's Spirit is working through God's people, we experience His love and we will live in unity with one another. And I want to dig into that for a minute. Listen as I read verses 12 through 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul writes, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Again, when God's Spirit is working through God's people, we experience His love and 
live in unity together. And Paul illustrates this truth by comparing the church to the human body. That's what our church name means, soma. It's body. God wants his people to be unified because it's the outflowing of his love for us. When we're unified, we will experience God's love more completely. And when we experience God's love through each other, we will be more and more unified. Love and unity are inseparable. Think of unity as health and wholeness. Jesus wants his body to be healthy and whole. This is the common good that Paul was talking about there in verse 7. Each and every believer contributes to the healthiness of Christ's body. Each of us can love one another in a specific way. Each of us can show God to one another in a specific way. And when each different part is committed to loving the body, the whole body is healthy and functions as it should. I mean, this is a very, very simple concept. As parents, the way my wife and I love our kids is to help them grow into healthy human beings. And we do this by providing a safe, stable environment in which they can grow. We do it by providing adequate food and clothing for them. We do it by teaching them healthy habits and taking care of them when they're sick. Our love for our kids motivates us to nurture them so that their whole person is healthy. We don't just focus on one part of their body like their eye and just say, we, we we want to do everything we can so that they can have a healthy eye and we don't care about anything else. No, we want their whole person to be healthy. And the same is true of the church. Because we have a father who loves us, he wants us collectively to be healthy and whole. That's why he's given us the gift of his spirit to empower us. Each one of us, using our gift, builds up the church, contributes to its health, and displays God's love. And that last part is really, really important. The body of Christ has a purpose to show the world what God is like, to show the world what God is really like like. God is one, and God is in a loving relationship with himself. And so if his church is to reflect that reality, all the parts of Christ's body have to work in unison. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? We have a really hard time getting ourselves to work in unison with one another. And that's why the body of Christ so often looks unhealthy. And there are a number of ways that we can find ourselves out of joint with one another. Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthian church in large part to correct a conceited view of some of the gifts. They had elevated some gifts, saying these are more important gifts, these are more spiritual gifts, and in doing so, they had poo-pooed all the rest of these gifts. And so a lot of people who didn't have these quote-unquote important gifts felt like outsiders, and they became jealous of those who did have these more important or super spiritual gifts. And in turn, they neglected their own gifts. 
And Paul says here, they are still part of the body, but they aren't functioning. And the whole body feels the effects. And I think we're in danger of that in our church as well. In the American church, gifts of teaching or leadership or pastoring can be platformed and can be praised. Those are the influencers. Those, who have the, those are the ones who have the following. And others who don't have those gifts can grow to believe that they aren't needed, that they're unimportant in the body of Christ. We need to be aware of that temptation. We're also in danger of tuning out the Spirit's presence and power. When being a Christian is just reduced to going through the motions, when we feel like it or when it's convenient, when we commit to just consuming what everybody else is doing in the church and not really participating in what the Spirit wants to do through us, assuming that somebody else will meet that need, somebody else will um, do that thing because they're more qualified or they're better positioned. All of these attitudes and choices will keep us from using our gifts and the body of Christ will suffer. Instead of promoting its health, we withhold a useful part. And in doing so, we inflict pain. So how do we land the plane here? Where do we go from here? Well, for one thing, I want to challenge us to stop reducing the church down to what happens on Sunday mornings or roles that need to be filled or titles that certain individuals have. The church is an organism. It is a, a living, active thing with a purpose, a body that is created to move all of the parts working in unison, moving in the same direction, following our head, who is Jesus Christ. We also need to change our understanding of ourselves. Folks, this isn't about you and Jesus. If you are a Christian, the power and presence of God is in you, and you are part of Christ's body. You are part of something bigger than yourself. People at Soma Church need you. When you show up in the life of this church to speak words of encouragement, to serve those in need, to teach from the Scriptures, to give wisdom and guidance, to pray for healing, to give generously. We will experience God's love through you. And you don't need an advanced degree to do that. You don't need a title to do that. You don't need a paycheck to do that. You don't even need a lifetime of walking with Jesus to do that. God's empowering presence is in you. I also want to challenge our pastors. We are responsible for shepherding this church, and it's incumbent on us that we encourage each of you to build up this church body and that we provide opportunities for you to do that. You shouldn't feel boxed out or uninvolved. And if you do, if you are, then you should tell Brandon. <laughs> Here's an encouragement. Show, showing up and loving others in these different ways is really, really demanding. It requires a lot of time. It requires a lot of energy. It can mean carrying the burdens of others. 
It can mean speaking hard truth and having to say difficult things. It can mean making tough decisions. But that's what this church needs. That's God's desire for his church. That is how we will see more of him. And lastly, in this time of social and economic upheaval, where we see frequent acts of violence and just an ungodly loss of life. People all over this city are grieving. They're angry. They're scared. They're confused. The time is now for this city to look at Soma Church and say, I know what God is like because I see them. I know what God is like because they love each other and they serve each other. And they live in unity together. The gifts of the Spirit are God himself working in and through his people so that we can experience his love and display his glory in this world. And let this be true of us. Holy Spirit, fill us empower us, revive us. Let us experience the boundless love of God. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.